We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Away we go, episode 213 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, December 23rd, 2021. Yes, it is December 23rd. Time flies. We are two days away from Christmas. For those who celebrate Christmas, are you ready for Christmas? Are you properly prepared? For Christmas, have you made all of your Christmas purchases? Uh, I have because I have a wife, and she does all of our Christmas shopping. The only Christmas gift I actually buy myself is what I buy for her. That's it. Every year, when we open up presents for people for whom we bought presents, I'm as surprised as the people opening up the presents in terms of what those presents are. Oh, we got you that? Gee, that's nice. What a surprise. When it comes to our Christmas shopping, I'm like Bobby Bowden in his later years as Florida State head coach. I am an overseer, okay? I am not an actual doer, but I am a doer with this podcast. And so I say hello and welcome to a Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Yes, it's already Thursday. We are all out of whack this week with the Washington football team having played on Tuesday night. The Washington football team itself is out of whack with this continued COVID-19 outbreak. Now two consecutive losses and a game at the NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football, the night after Christmas coming up. We'll be getting into the very latest on our WFT, including some good news and some bad news in Washington's COVID-19 outbreak. But next segment, I want to have a conversation with you about what is best for our team, the Washington football team, 
the rest of the regular season. Washington is 6-8. and eight. Washington has three regular season games left. Washington's playoff hopes remain alive, although not by all that much. What is in the best long-term interests of the Washington football team the rest of the regular season? I'll give you my thoughts next segment. Also on the show, Pro Bowl selections. Yes, the NFL on Wednesday night announced Pro Bowl selections for the 2021 regular season, in which we still have three weeks. I will never understand or like that the NFL announces Pro Bowl selections with so many of the biggest games in regular seasons still yet to be played. But two Washington players, Jonathan Allen and Brandon Sheriff, were named as Pro Bowl starters. I'll react to that and hit on some other Pro Bowl-worthy Washington players. And I'll talk some college basketball. Rough nights on Wednesday night for Virginia Tech and Virginia, each with an ACC loss. The Hokies falling at number two Duke. The Cavaliers getting ripped at home by Clemson. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jonathan Ruckman on the Washington football team's 27-17 loss at the Philadelphia Eagles on Tuesday night. Writes Jonathan, a couple of things stood out to me. The first was that A.G., as in, of course, Antonio Gibson, didn't get nearly enough yards on his runs. This seems to be a pattern, parentheses, see below. The second was the return of the gaping holes we saw plague the defense during the first half of the season. I don't think it's a coincidence that it was Montez Sweat's first game back. Time after time, he was found deep in the backfield while the rest of the line was at the line of scrimmage, meaning he vacated his lane. Frustrating. Keep up the good work. I love the show. Well, thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate that. So a few things. Jonathan in his email includes a screenshot of a tweet from Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus on Tuesday afternoon. The tweet includes a photo of a list of NFL leaders this season in perfectly blocked runs. Uh, That's something that PFF tracks. Perfectly blocked runs. And Eager in the tweet notes the following, quote, Antonio Gibson has just one less perfectly blocked run than Jonathan Taylor, but has half as many yards on such plays, end quote. And sure enough, as of Tuesday afternoon, so this is prior to Washington's loss at the Eagles, the Indianapolis Colts stud running back, Jonathan Taylor, this season had 93 carries on perfectly blocked runs for a staggering 940 yards, 10.1 yards per carry for Jonathan Taylor on perfectly blocked runs. Antonio Gibson had 92 carries on perfectly blocked runs, but for just 460 yards, five yards per carry. I tell you, that was an eye-opener for me. That absolutely suggests that Antonio Gibson has not gotten nearly enough yards on his runs this season. Now, Gibson has been playing hurt for much of this season, especially with the shin, But still, those numbers stand out. Gibson, as of Tuesday afternoon, had just one less perfectly blocked run than Jonathan Taylor had, and yet Gibson had 460 yards on those runs as compared to Taylor 
having 940 yards. As for Montez Sweat, well, for whatever it's worth, Montez, for the loss at the Eagles on Tuesday night, had the second highest overall grade for pro football focus of any Washington defensive player. Montez's overall grade for the game was 70.8. William Jackson the third was number one at 82.8. But Jonathan, I agree with you on Montez against the run. Look, Montez Sweat was a part of a Washington run defense that was terrible. Now, it wasn't just him. Washington's run defense was a collective failure, okay? Washington allowing Eagles running backs Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard to total 33 carries for 200 yards, 6.06 yards per carry. That, my friends, is a collective failure by Washington's defense. But you are not wrong to raise the issue of discipline play off all of the talk of a lack of discipline play by Ron Rivera this season regarding Montez Sweat and Chase Young. And coming up later in the show, I'm going to get into comments from Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon during his day after the game Zoom press conference because Ron on Wednesday afternoon was back to talking about undisciplined play for Washington's defense. Uh, You tell me, is that a coincidence? Montez Sweat is back and Ron is back to talking about undisciplined play for Washington's defense. I got a lot of feedback on Twitter to a tweet that I put out on Wednesday morning regarding Terry McLaurin. Uh, I think that his lack of production over the last four games is outrageous. Terry, over the last four games, has just nine receptions for 124 yards and no touchdowns on 19 targets. Now, there are a lot of reasons for this, but taking a step back and viewing things more globally, this should not be happening. Your stud receiver over a four-game stretch having just nine receptions. And so to me, the onus is on Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator and play caller, to figure this out. And I'm not saying that figuring this out is easy. I'm not saying that Scott doesn't have a number of challenges right now. I'm also not saying that some of this isn't on Terry McLaurin himself. But the bottom line is that Washington is wasting a high-level receiver in year three of his four-year rookie contract. Tweet from Nick Merriam. Get a quarterback and things change. It's the only way to fully maximize him. Can't go another season with the spinning wheel. Tweet from Jackie, a.k.a. Jay Lightning. Exactly, because if we don't get a quarterback who can get the ball to him, we will lose him when his rookie deal is up. I wish Taylor Heineke had some arm strength to get the ball downfield because Terry burns a lot of his coverage, but he has to wait or come back to the ball because it can't get to him. Tweet from Steve Endersby, we need to give him the ball more. He is our best player. Tweet from Michael Brown, it would help if Scott Turner would start designing plays in the first quarter to help get Terry McLaurin going. Screens, slants, comebacks. Look at his production in first quarters this season. The production is awful. That's coaching. Yeah, very good point about the lack of first quarter production for Terry McLaurin. Look, I like Scott Turner. I've talked about this. And like I said, I get that things aren't easy right now with all of the COVID-19 caused absences and all of the injuries and everything else. But you got to figure this out. Terry McLaurin over the last four games, having just nine receptions for 124 yards and no touchdowns on 19 targets is unacceptable. Well, don't ever accept being wronged. A law firm that is ready to represent you if you have been wronged is Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace handles 
complex personal injury, medical negligence, and wrongful death cases. Paulson and Nace is a D.C.-based family law firm. The Naces are big Washington football team fans. Paulson and Nace fights for the rights and the futures of victims and their families throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace has decades of experience trying cases to jury verdicts and fighting for those injured through no fault of their own. Chris Nace is a past president of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. Matt Nace is a member of the board of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. I've known the Naces for a long time, 25 plus years. These are good people, smart people who are excellent at what they do. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. When you are injured because of someone else's negligence, you may experience feelings of anger, anxiety, frustration. Choosing the right law firm to help you can be overwhelming. I mean, how do you know who to trust, right? How do you know that you'll be protected? Well, it's simple. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel as if you've been wronged, if you have a complex personal injury, medical negligence, or wrongful death case, or you think that you may have one but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. See what Paulson and Nace has to say about your situation. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let their family take care of yours. All right, so here we go. Uh, this installment of the Al Galdi podcast is for Thursday, December 23rd. We are just two days removed from the Washington football team's last game, the 27-17 loss at the Philadelphia Eagles on Tuesday night. And we're now just three days away from Washington's next game, which is at the NFC East-leading Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football this Sunday night at 8.20. Next segment, I'll deal with the very latest Washington news, including some encouraging news and also some more bad news regarding Washington's COVID-19 outbreak. But right now, I want to examine a macro question with the Washington football team. And that question is this, when it comes to what happens with the Washington football team over its final three regular season games, what is in the best interests of the Washington football team long-term. Washington now is 6-8 and eight with three regular season games left. Those games are at the Dallas Cowboys this Sunday night at 8-20, home to the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 17, and at the New York Giants in Week 18. I was thinking about this on Wednesday. I, as a fan of the team currently known as the Washington football team, since I was old enough to follow sports, want one of two extremes for the Washington football team over its final three regular season games. Assuming that Washington finishing the regular season nine and eight is the only way for Washington to make the playoffs, I want Washington to either win out and make the playoffs or to lose out and get as high of a first-round pick in the 2022 NFL Draft as possible. I want one of the two extremes, win out or lose out. Uh, to me, it would do Washington no good to go 1-2 and two or 2-1 and one 
over its final three regular season games and not make the playoffs. Now, if you told me that eight and nine will be good enough for Washington to make the playoffs, that would change the calculus for me. But as things stand right now, it's hard to see eight and nine being good enough for Washington to make the playoffs. The Minnesota Vikings, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the New Orleans Saints, each of those three teams is seven and seven, but only the Vikings right now are in possession of an NFC playoff spot. The Vikings are seventh in the NFC. The Eagles are eighth in the NFC. The Saints are ninth in the NFC. And Washington is 10th in the NFC. Are all four of those teams going to finish eight and nine? And then Washington sneaks in and grabs that final NFC wildcard spot via the tiebreaker that is having the best record against NFC teams this season. I mean, I guess that's possible, but hard for me to see that happening. Look, Washington going 9-8 and eight may not even be good enough to make the playoffs. It may be that one or more of those 7-7 seven and seven teams ends up going 10-7. and seven. The best that Washington can finish, of course, is 9-8. Nine 9-8 and, eight. Nine and eight wouldn't necessarily guarantee Washington anything in terms of making the playoffs. But assuming that it is 9-8 or bust for Washington to make the playoffs this season, what is in the best interests of the Washington football team the rest of this regular season? So Ron Rivera is in the midst of rebuilding the Washington football team. It may not always feel like it or even look like it, but the Washington football team is a rebuilding team. Ron is rebuilding the culture of the organization, but he's also rebuilding the actual team. And so everything that happens from a football operations standpoint with Washington needs to be viewed through the prism of a rebuild. Washington is not what you would call a win-now team. Washington is not what you would call a team that is all in right now on winning right now. Now, that's tricky because the team, of course, is trying to win games right now. But when it comes to fully devoting resources, uh, i.e. draft capital and salary cap space, to winning games right now, Washington has not been doing that. And so the bigger picture has been what matters most with the Washington football team during this Ron Rivera era. Uh, That said, if you're asking me what is in the best interests of the Washington football team long-term the rest of this regular season, my answer is to win out and make the playoffs. I do think that, A, there would be value in winning out, you know, winning three consecutive big NFC East games to make the postseason, And I do think that, B, there would be value in making the postseason, in gaining valuable playoff experience, and in achieving something for this franchise that hasn't been achieved in three decades, and that is back-to-back playoff seasons. Washington has not made the playoffs in two consecutive seasons since making the playoffs in three consecutive seasons from 1990 through 1992. If you're trying to rebuild the culture of an organization that has had a horrendous culture, making the playoffs in each of your first two seasons as a head coach for that organization, especially given all of the adversity that the team has had to deal with over those two seasons, would be a great start to the culture rebuild. There's also this. Washington winning all three of its remaining regular season games to make the playoffs wouldn't just happen in a vacuum. The wins, in theory would be a result of Washington players playing well, right? 
The wins, in theory, would be a result of guys like Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson and John Bates and Samuel Cosby and Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Cole Holcomb and Kendall Fuller and William Jackson III and Cameron Curl and others playing well down the stretch. And if you're winning big games down the stretch on the backs of young players, if you're winning big games down the stretch on the backs of building blocks, then that's great for a rebuild. Winning on the backs of veterans who will be gone this coming offseason wouldn't do Washington much good, but winning on the backs of young players, winning on the backs of building blocks would do Washington a lot of good and would mean that the roster is further along than we may think and thus would be more meaningful and more valuable than a higher pick in the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft. Now, all of that said, if you are in the camp of wanting Washington to lose all three of its remaining regular season games in order to get as high of a first-round pick as possible in the 2022 NFL Draft, I understand. You know, if you subscribe to the notion of this 2021 Washington football team as feisty as it is, just isn't that good. And even if this Washington team makes the playoffs this season, so what? It's not like this team is going to do anything truly meaningful in the postseason. And Washington's quarterback situation just isn't that good. And so all that matters is getting as high of a pick as possible in the 2022 NFL Draft to take a swing at a potential franchise quarterback. If you were in the camp of that thinking, I hear you, I understand you, and I don't think that you're necessarily wrong. I just happen to think that there would be more value in Washington winning all three of its remaining regular season games to make the playoffs than you may think, because again, those wins would be indicative of the rebuild being further along. You know, so much of this depends on what the Washington football team thinks of the 2022 NFL draft quarterback class. Like, what do Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, Chris Polian, Scott Turner and Ken Zampezi think of Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, and Sam Howell. Those guys are considered to be the top five quarterbacks in the 2022 NFL Draft. Pickett, Corral, Willis, Ritter, Howell. Uh, This is not considered to be a great quarterback draft class. Does Washington love one or more of those guys to where Washington would be better off? getting as high of a first-round pick as possible in the 2022 NFL Draft as opposed to making the playoffs this season? Or is Washington, like a lot of people, underwhelmed by this quarterback class? We don't know, but the answers to those questions matter a lot. For the record, Ron Rivera, during his day after the game Zoom press conference on Wednesday afternoon, said the following regarding if he would be disappointed if Washington didn't make the playoffs this season. Quote, very much so. The biggest thing is you want to win and you want to get in the playoffs. I really do believe all you need is a chance. A big part of it too, though, is being healthy at the right time, getting players back at the right opportunity, not having a big distraction, being able to stay focused as you trend towards something. We'll find out. We've got a short week, but that's interesting. What's important, though, is we take advantage of the opportunity to practice tomorrow and Friday and then our preparation on Saturday and Sunday as we wait for the game 
on Sunday evening and see what happens. But my goal every year is to win. My goal, in all honesty, you guys may think I'm nuts for saying it, but my goal is to win every game. I want to be undefeated. I would love to be undefeated, but that's my goal. Because if you win them all, guess what that means? It means you won the championship. You won the Super Bowl. That's the way I approach it. That's the way I'll always approach it. I'm not going to approach anything just saying, well, I hope we can finish this year with a winning record. No, I want to get into the playoffs. I want to win in the playoffs. I want to win it all. If I could win all 20 games, I'll win all 20 games. That's just my mentality. It's always been my mentality. It will always be my mentality. End quote. And that answer from Ron Rivera was 100% the right answer. That's precisely what the head coach of an NFL team should say. But what say you? You tell me what you think. When it comes to what happens with the Washington football team over its final three regular season games, what is in the best interest of the Washington football team long term? Because to me, that's what matters the most, the long term with the Washington football team. What is best for the long term with the Washington football team? I want one of two extremes for the Washington football team over its final three regular season games, assuming that Washington finishing the regular season nine and eight is the only way for Washington to make the playoffs. I want Washington to either win out and make the playoffs or to lose out and get as high of a first round pick in the 2022 NFL draft as possible. And if I had to pick one extreme, I would pick the former. I would pick Washington winning out to make the playoffs. How about you? You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Up next, some good news and some bad news for Washington and its COVID-19 outbreak and some perhaps rather telling comments from Ron Rivera on what the heck went wrong for Washington's defensive line against the Eagles rushing attack on Tuesday night. I'll get to all of that and more after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, so the 6-8 and eight Washington football team off its 27-17 loss at the Philadelphia Eagles on Tuesday night has this lightning-quick turnaround. Washington will be at the 10-4 and four and NFC East-leading Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football this Sunday night at 8-20. Now, of course, a number of key Washington players remain on the reserve COVID-19 list. Uh, quarterbacks Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen right guard Brandon Sheriff, center Tyler Larson, corner Kendall Fuller, safety Cameron Curl. Uh, We on Wednesday, though, did have two items of good news and also one item of bad news regarding Washington's COVID-19 outbreak. By the way, did you see that Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni has tested positive for COVID-19? We learned of that on Wednesday. But good news item number one for Washington on Wednesday in the team's COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, Ron Rivera, during his day after the game Zoom press conference on Wednesday afternoon, said that one of Washington's quarterbacks on the reserve COVID-19 list, Ron would not say who, was trending toward testing out of the COVID protocols. So that was good news. Either Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen was trending toward testing out of the COVID protocols. You know, it may not seem like it, but we got to get a move on here regarding either Heineke or Allen coming off the reserve COVID-19 list. Otherwise, the Garrett Gilbert era will be longer than just one game. You know, Garrett Gilbert could end up starting multiple games for Washington at quarterback this season. Good news item number two, Washington on Wednesday afternoon activated two players off the reserve COVID-19 list. Offensive tackle, Cornelius Lucas, and practice squad edge defender William Bradley King. So that was good news. However, we also had this. Washington on Wednesday afternoon placed linebacker Cole Holcomb on the reserve COVID-19 list. So yeah, there's that. Not good news. Uh, Cole Holcomb has been an Ironman for Washington this season. Cole Holcomb has played on every Washington defensive snap in 13 of Washington's 14 games this regular season. He had the win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four, played on 83% of Washington's defensive snaps due to suffering a shoulder injury. But Washington could be without its best linebacker for this Sunday night's game at the Cowboys. Now, speaking of that game, Washington on Wednesday, the day after the loss at the Eagles, uh, did put out an injury report. Now, Washington did not practice on Wednesday, but Washington did put out an estimation of who would have done what at a Wednesday practice. Uh, Four Washington players were listed 
as not having been able to practice on Wednesday. Corner William Jackson III was listed as not having been able to practice on Wednesday. Jackson, in the loss at the Eagles, suffered what the team now is calling a calf injury. Uh, This happened in the second quarter. Jackson, on Tuesday night, played on just 44% of Washington's defensive snaps in the game. And how about this? We have this tweet from NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com on Wednesday afternoon. Quote, William Jackson may have a rare Achilles sprain. He's having an MRI But the belief as of now is based on the tightness he still feels. The Achilles is intact. End quote. Uh, Geez, that would have been horrendous news. William Jackson III having a torn Achilles? I mean, you talk about a horrendous Washington player availability situation getting even worse. Uh, That would have made things worse. Old WJ3 suffering a ruptured Achilles super late in the 2021 season. Uh, that obviously would have meant bad things for William Jackson III for the 2022 season, but thankfully, he does not appear to have a ruptured Achilles. Uh, Also, Landon Collins, the safety slash linebacker slash Buffalo Nickel slash drop-down safety slash member of the human race, that Landon Collins, uh, he was listed as not having been able to practice on Wednesday due to a foot Uh, Landon in the loss at the Eagles played on just 55% of Washington's defensive snaps. Remember, Landon did not play in the win at the Las Vegas Raiders in Week 13 due to a foot injury. Edge defender Daniel Wise was listed as not having been able to practice on Wednesday due to a knee injury that he suffered in the loss at the Eagles. Wise suffered a knee injury in the second quarter on a cut block by tight end Dallas Goddard and played on just five of Washington's defensive snaps. And running back Antonio Gibson was listed as not having been able to practice on Wednesday due to a toe injury that he suffered in the loss at the Eagles. Now, Ron Rivera on Wednesday said that Gibson's current toe injury is not unlike his toe injury from last season. If you remember that toe injury, Uh, Antonio Gibson in December 2020 missed two consecutive games due to a turf toe injury that he suffered in the win at the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 13 in another postponed game for Washington, just like Tuesday night's loss at the Eagles, of course, was a postponed game. So moving forward, Antonio Gibson should steer clear of playing in postponed games. But Ron Rivera on Wednesday did say that Antonio Gibson's current toe injury is similar to Antonio Gibson's previous toe injury. And look, Antonio Gibson did not have a good game on Tuesday night. 15 carries for just 26 yards and a touchdown. Six receptions for 39 yards on seven targets and playing on 78% of Washington's offensive snaps. Gibson on the drive that resulted in his touchdown run had six carries for 20 yards and a touchdown, but Gibson over every other Washington offensive drive in the game totaled nine carries for six yards. Uh, That was not good. And look, that was not all on him. Some of the blocking left a lot to be desired. But Antonio Gibson this season, you know, it's interesting. He has done plenty of good things. And I don't want to like understate that. But Gibson is averaging just 3.73 yards per carry. Now, yards per carry isn't everything for a running back. But, you know, yards per carry isn't nothing for a running back. 3.73 yards per carry uh, is not particularly good. Now, Antonio Gibson has been banged up a bunch this season, right, including with that shin ailment. Uh, he also, though, has had a major fumbling problem 
this season. So it's been a mixed bag of a second NFL season for Antonio Gibson. Washington's running game in the loss at the Eagles was bad. Uh, Washington's defense in the loss at the Eagles was bad. Washington allowed the Eagles to generate 519 total net yards of offense, allowed the Eagles to average 7.4 yards per play, allowed the Eagles to go 7 of 13 on third downs. Uh, I don't think anything was worse than Washington's run defense. Washington allowed Eagles running backs Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard to total 33 carries for 200 yards, 6.06 yards per carry. Washington's run defense had been good this season. The Eagles rushing offense had been good this season, and the Eagles rushing offense very much got the better of Washington's run defense on Tuesday night. Washington also got carved up by Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, who went 20 of 26 for 296 yards, 11.38 yards per pass attempt, had a touchdown pass, did have an interception, but also had eight carries for 38 yards and two touchdowns. Washington did have three sacks, but Washington also got scorched by Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard, who finished with seven receptions for 135 yards on nine targets. That, my friends, is bad defense. Uh, Washington's defense had played well, right? In each of the team's previous five games, Washington's defense did not play well on Tuesday night. Now, COVID-19 and injuries had something to do with all of this. Washington's defense was without corner Kendall Fuller and safety Cameron Curl due to them being on the reserve COVID-19 list. Interior defensive lineman Tim Settle and edge defender James Smith-Williams were off the reserve COVID-19 list, but also were inactive for the game on Tuesday night. And as I discussed earlier, Washington corner William Jackson III, safety slash linebacker Landon Collins, and edge defender Daniel Wise all suffered or dealt with injury during the game. But still, the defense was not good. And I found this to be particularly interesting from Ron Rivera's day after the game Zoom press conference on Wednesday afternoon. Ron, on what went wrong for Washington's defense upon having reviewed the game? Quote, I know I've said it in the past, you really saw guys not where they needed to be. But it wasn't because they weren't trying. I think more so than anything else, we got into that second quarter and you started seeing guys trying to do more than they needed to. Guys were crossing face and looking inside, were trying to make plays from going backside. Got a little undisciplined at one point, especially in the end of the third quarter. I thought the guys really tried to do more than they needed to instead of just staying where they had been. For the most part, they were doing a great job early on, but I think we got a little anxious. I really do mean that because when you watch the tape, you can't fault the effort. It's the kind of effort that you want when you're in a tough situation. And I really applaud how hard they played. I mean, some guys' efforts really stood out, and it's just unfortunate. End quote. So there you had Ron again this season, for like the 5,000th time this season, referencing his defense having behaved in an undisciplined manner. First time that we had heard that since the four-game winning streak. Now, this game also was the first game for who since the four-game winning streak? Montez Sweat. 
Montez Sweat missed the entirety of the four-game winning streak due to a fractured jaw and then missed the loss to the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 14 due to being on the reserve COVID-19 list. Now look, maybe this is a coincidence, but then again, maybe not. But man, it is interesting, is it not, that Montez Sweat is out for more than a month, the defense plays better, and we hear nothing about undisciplined play, then Montez comes back, the defense struggles, and we right away are back to hearing about undisciplined play. We know that Montez Sweat and Chase Young have been the two biggest culprits on Washington's defense this season in terms of undisciplined play. I mean, to me, Ron Rivera has made that crystal clear. And I'm not saying that Montez Sweat is the reason that Washington's defense struggled at the Eagles on Tuesday night, okay? Understand what I'm saying. I'm simply highlighting what is either an awfully big coincidence or maybe something more, that Ron Rivera all of a sudden is back to talking about undisciplined play. I mean, you have to admit, that is either a giant coincidence or there's a lot more here than just a little dink off a Washington loss at the Eagles on Tuesday night. Ron Rivera on Wednesday also addressed the Terry McLaurin situation. I tweeted about that on Wednesday morning. I talked about the Terry McLaurin situation during the opening segment of the show. Way too little targeting of and way too little production from Terry McLaurin right now. Uh, And this is a function of a lot of things. I am sympathetic to many of these things, including Washington's COVID-19 outbreak and all of Washington's injuries on offense. But bottom line, what's going on with Terry McLaurin right now is unacceptable. Terry, over the last four games, has just nine receptions for 124 yards and no touchdowns on 19 targets. Uh, Ron Rivera on Wednesday on why Terry has just nine receptions on 19 targets over the last four games. Quote, that in all honesty, you would have to ask the quarterbacks because again, you got to understand every one of our routes, all of our offensive plays, all have specific starting points based on what the quarterbacks see. Would I like to see Terry targeted a little bit more because of who he is? Yes. But again, that's a better question for the quarterbacks to be fair. End quote. All right. Does Ron ever feel as if Washington needs to force balls to Terry? Quote, well, I think you can. The understanding what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it, sometimes it puts in the hands of the guy that's pulling the trigger and that goes back to the quarterback. I'm not trying to dump any blame or anything on anybody. I'm just saying that if the quarterback sees something that he doesn't like, he's not going to try and force it. He's going to try and do what's best. End quote. And that's understandable. I mean, I'm not advocating for Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, Garrett Gilbert, or whoever is playing quarterback for Washington to force throws to Terry McLaurin. I am saying that Scott Turner needs to figure out ways to get Terry McLaurin more touches. And if that's coaching up quarterbacks to be more liberal and throwing to Terry, fine. If that's scheming up things differently to get Terry open, fine. If that's calling a bunch of receiver screens early in games to get Terry targets and receptions, fine. Get Terry McLaurin's hands on footballs. Terry McLaurin should be targeted at a minimum of 13 times per game. A minimum, okay? His targets number should always end in teen, as in 13, 14, 15, 16. You get the idea. That should be the goal every game. And that's not coming close to happening. 
right now. As for the Cowboys, only one of their active roster players did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, That player uh, was a key player, left tackle Tyron Smith, did not practice due to an ankle injury that prevented him from playing in the Cowboys' last game, the 21-6 win at the New York Giants on Sunday afternoon. All right, so the NFL on Wednesday night announced Pro Bowl selections for the 2021 regular season. Now, why the NFL announces Pro Bowl selections with multiple weeks left in regular seasons, I will never understand, nor will I ever like. Uh, We have three weeks left in the 2021 regular season. Some of the most important games in the 2021 regular season have yet to be played, and yet we're already proclaiming who the best players for the 2021 regular season have been. The timing of the Pro Bowl announcements, along with the shoddy voting for Pro Bowl selections, along with so many players bowing out of playing in Pro Bowls, thus inviting, you know, third and fourth and fifth alternates into being Pro Bowlers. Uh, All of that is why making the Pro Bowl doesn't mean nearly what it should. All pro selections matter much more than Pro Bowl selections, but making the Pro Bowl is a nice honor, and Washington on Wednesday night had two players who were selected as Pro Bowl starters, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and right guard Brandon Sheriff. The Pro Bowl selection for Jonathan Allen is, of course, so deserved. Uh, The Pro Bowl selection is the first of Jonathan Allen's NFL career. Uh, Washington took him with the number 17 pick in the 2017 NFL draft out of Alabama. Jonathan Allen, in being selected as a starting defensive tackle for the NFC, becomes the first Washington defensive tackle to be named to a Pro Bowl since, you ready for this? Dave Butts in 1983. Nobody, by the way, has ever had a better looking helmet than Dave Butts' helmet. But how about that? Not since Dave Butts in 1983 had a Washington defensive tackle been named to a Pro Bowl, and Jonathan Allen becomes the first defensive tackle in Washington franchise history to be named a starter in the Pro Bowl. So this is quite an achievement here for Jonathan Allen. He has been having an outstanding season. Uh, Jonathan Allen this regular season has a career-high eight-and-a-half sacks. Jonathan Allen this regular season is number five in the NFL in quarterback hits with 26. And Jonathan Allen this regular season has an overall grade for pro football focus of 87.6. PFF grades are on a scale of zero to 100. And Jonathan Allen is doing this right off having gotten paid. He got his big money contract extension over the summer. And instead of underperforming the contract, Instead of, you know, lollygagging and resting on his laurels or resting on his morals, as Keyshawn Johnson once said, in terms of, yeah, you know, I got paid, so I don't have to do what I had been doing. No, Jonathan Allen is having the best season of his career of having gotten paid this past summer. He's a great leader. I mean, there aren't enough good things that you can say about Jonathan Allen. As I tweeted on Wednesday night, Jonathan Allen is the anti-Albert Hainsworth, you know? All of the things that we came to know about Big Al, uh, we think the opposite with Jonathan Allen. And that's a good thing with Jonathan Allen. And then there's Brandon Sheriff. I said, and then there's Brandon Sheriff. Brandon Sheriff. 
Yes, thank you, Commissioner Goodell. Look, I don't want to rain on Brandon Sheriff's parade too much. Again, making the Pro Bowl is a nice honor, but Brandon Sheriff being chosen for the Pro Bowl again is as much of a reputation thing as anything. So the Pro Bowl selection for Brandon Sheriff is the fifth of his career. He made the Pro Bowl in the 2016, 2017, 2019, and 2020 seasons as well. Uh, Sheriff joins Trent Williams, Chris Samuels, and Len Hoss, who died recently, by the way, as the only Washington offensive lineman to be selected to a Pro Bowl at least five times. That's quite an achievement. So I don't want to just, you know, completely be dismissive of Brandon Sheriff making another Pro Bowl, but understand the season that Brandon Sheriff is having. He has played in just nine of Washington's 14 games in this 2021 regular season. He has committed six penalties in this 2021 regular season. He has an overall grade for this 2021 regular season for Pro Football Focus of 71.4. I mean, that's not atrocious or anything, but that's also not special. Brandon Sheriff is a nice player, but is he really one of the two best guards in the NFC? And as we've discussed, he's not worth what he's being paid. Now, I don't begrudge him for making what he's making. I want all athletes to make as much money as possible. But Brandon Sheriff this season is making $18.036 million on a second consecutive non-exclusive franchise tag tender. Is he worth $18.036 million? Uh, To me, the answer is nah, brah. And he's not worth the top of the market money that he's seeking via a long-term contract. And a lot of that just has to do with the lack of availability. And the lack of availability isn't his fault. It's not like he's soft or anything like that. But he is hurt or out a lot. Brandon Sheriff in not playing in Washington's loss at the Philadelphia Eagles on Tuesday night due to being on the reserve COVID-19 list means that he now has not played in 21 of a possible 62 regular season games since the start of the 2018 season. 21 out of 62, more than a third. I mean, think about that. 21 out of 62. Uh, The following Washington players on Wednesday night were named Pro Bowl alternates for the NFC. Punter Tressway, second alternate. Long snapper Cameron Cheeseman, the Cheeseman, a third alternate. Uh, Running back Antonio Gibson, fourth alternate. Kickoff returner DeAndre Carter, fourth alternate. Receiver Terry McLaurin, fifth alternate. Uh, Two guys who stand out from that group to me are Tressway and DeAndre Carter. Each guy is having a really nice season. Tressway in a loss at the Eagles over five punts averaged 48 yards per punt and 43.6 net yards per punt. Tressway through week 15 of this 2021 regular season among qualified punters is number four in the NFL in yards per punt at 48.9 and number three in the NFL in net yards per punt at 43.5. DeAndre Carter in the loss at the Eagles had no punt returns, but he did have two kickoff returns that totaled 67 yards. He had a late second quarter 39-yard kickoff return that was trimmed from an initial length of 47 yards thanks to a 10-yard holding penalty by Nate Orchard. Uh, And Carter had a late third quarter 28-yard kickoff return. DeAndre Carter through week 15 of the 2021 regular season is number two in the NFL among qualified players in yards per kickoff return at 25.4. Washington signed DeAndre Carter 
as an unrestricted free agent this past offseason to be Washington's primary return man this season. Now, he has ended up playing a larger role as a receiver than anyone ever anticipated uh, due to injury and ineffectiveness in that Washington receiving core. But DeAndre Carter as a return man, especially as a kickoff return man, has more than done what he was brought here to do this season. And I think of all of the Washington players who are Pro Bowl alternates, DeAndre Carter is the most deserving of being an actual Pro Bowler. Again, through week 15, the guy is number two in the NFL among qualified players in yards per kickoff return. Well, we on Wednesday night had ACC games for both Virginia Tech and Virginia basketball, and each team did lose. Uh, Virginia Tech fell to 8-5 and five overall and 0-2 in the ACC with a 76-65 loss at number two Duke. Now, the Hokies were very much in this game. Tech led by eight points early in the second half at 40-32, but Tech then lost the rest of the game 44-25. Hokies in the second half went just 1-9 on threes, finished the game just 5-19 of on threes. Hokies did hold Duke to 5-15 of on threes, but the Hokies allowed Duke to go 24-39 of on twos. And Tech had all kinds of problems with one of the best players in the country, 6'10 true freshman Paolo Bancaro. Paolo Bancaro is the 2021-2022 preseason ACC Player of the Year and preseason ACC Freshman of the Year. Bancaro went just one of four on threes, but he went eight of 16 on twos, finished with 23 points, eight rebounds, including four offensive boards and three assists versus four turnovers. The Hokies were pretty much a two-man show, those two men being Keve Aluma and Justin Mutz. Aluma and Mutz combined for 45 of Tech's 65 points. Keve Aluma, one of three on threes, 10 of 17 on twos, finished with 25 points, 10 rebounds, including five offensive boards and three assists versus two turnovers in 38 minutes as a starter. Justin Mutz, 0 of 1 on threes, but 7 of 13 on twos, finished with 20 points, 9 rebounds, including four offensive boards and three assists versus one turnover in 34 minutes as a starter. And how about this? Keve Aluma and Justin Mutz went a combined 8 of 9 on free throws. Uh, those two players, the only Tech players who shot free throws in the game, Duke went 13 of 16 on free throws. Geez, a free throw discrepancy for a Duke opponent in a game at Cameron Indoor. Imagine that. Uh, next up for Virginia Tech, a game at North Carolina this coming Wednesday night, December 29th at 7. Meantime, rough loss for Virginia on Wednesday night. You know, we still are early in the college basketball season, but at least right now, this Virginia team is not on the level of Virginia teams of recent seasons under head coach Tony Bennett. That can change, but for now, this is where we're at. The Cavaliers now are 7-5 and five overall, 1-1 one and one in the ACC, a 67-50 loss to Clemson at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville on Wednesday night. Yeah, Virginia lost by 17 points at home to Clemson on Wednesday night. The loss ended the Cavs' 11-game winning streak against Clemson. And the biggest problem for Virginia, again, was its offense. The Cavs' offense was terrible, especially in the second half. The Cavs for the game scored just 50 points. The Cavs for the game went just 6 of 22 on threes, including just 3 of 15 on threes 
in the second half. The Cavs, through 12 games this season, are shooting a mere 31.7% on threes. Uh, The Cavs for the game also went just 9 of 19 on twos. The Cavs finished with just 7 assists versus 14 turnovers and totaled just 6 points off turnovers to Clemson's 24 points off turnovers. Uh, Cavs totaled just two offensive rebounds to Clemson's eight. Just a lot of offensive ugliness for Virginia. Now, Reese Beekman did have a good game. Beekman went three of five on threes, four of five on twos, finished with 20 points, three rebounds, and three steals in 37 minutes, 42 seconds as a starter. But the rest of Wahua went just three of 17 on threes and went just five of 14 on twos. This was Tony Bennett during his postgame press conference. But Reese did a good job. You know, obviously he got to the rim, hit a couple threes, um, and um, no, he he was good. Again, we got a, um, you know, we just besides that we were really we didn't get a lot. It, yes, we we he played a good game, and again we need probably three or four guys to be chipping in and and doing that. Um, let's see, Armand had uh, you know had some buckets there. <clears throat> again, we struggled from the three. Um, they did a good job doubling Gardner, and we got some good looks out of it. But, um, but you know, uh, I was happy that Reese uh, kind of attacked a little more and was more assertive and aggressive uh, offensively. Yeah, just not enough from anyone else on UVA offensively. Uh, also, UVA allowed Clemson to go 8-22 on threes and 20-37 on twos. And UVA lost despite going 14-19 of 19 on free throws versus Clemson going just three of eight on free throws. The Hoos now have more than a week until their next game. Next up for Virginia at Syracuse on Saturday night, January 1st at 8. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 214. We'll have us right back to getting ready for another Washington football team game. I will have for you in-depth preview of the 6-8 and eight Washington football team at the 10-4 and four and NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys this Sunday night at 8.20 on Sunday Night Football. I'll have the very latest for you on Washington in terms of news and who said what. I'll have a special guest on the show to talk Cowboys, Cowboys insider David Hellman of DallasCowboys.com. And I will have for you my rhyming keys for a Washington win. Also on the show, I'll post-game Thursday night's Wizards game. Uh, The Wizards scheduled to be at the New York Knicks Thursday night at 7.30, but with COVID-19 all over the NBA right now, who knows if that game will actually take place. The Wizards on Wednesday announced that Contavious Caldwell-Pope will not play on Thursday night due to now being in the NBA's health and safety protocols. I did like what NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said on ESPN on Tuesday, quote, no plans right now to pause the season. This virus will not be eradicated, and we're going to have to learn to live with it, end quote. Uh, I think that Silver is quite right with all of that. Stay safe, stay healthy, have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Brandon Scherf. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.